Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. I am your co-host here, Mark Hogan, joined by my other co-host here, Derek Randall. Derek? Hey, Mark. How's it going tonight? It's going well. Big first week here. Uh, so we got a lot to go over and recap. You're right on a lot of stuff that uh, missed the boat on here as well. So we're going to go over everything in another jam-packed episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. Excited to go ahead and get started here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, right right as we uh, open this podcast here, I just saw some breaking news about Antonio Brown. I, I saw, saw that. Yeah. With the there – there's three allegations, um, three separate allegations of – Yeah, and it sounds um, like there's a lot of proof behind these as well. It sounds that it says that he bragged in text messages about doing so and admitted to it, and all these text messages are screenshotted. Wow. Wow. This story, um, Antonio Brown saga, holy shit. It's just going to keep continuing. I was going to say, it's like one of those things where just when you think everything is over and the dust is settled – you have another thing that comes up with it. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. Make too many assumptions when news like this first comes out because you don't know one way or the other, but certainly not a good development here for Antonio Brown. Yeah. I mean, and not even, you know, do we know what's true and what's false? Uh, the NFL never knows what's real, what's not, and never punishes accordingly. So um, you never know what's going to happen in terms of fantasy value to a player when a serious allegation outside the outside of football happens. So this way of, of, of how they go about things and, um, you know, almost holding themselves to a, a higher standard even off the field. So I think it'll be interesting to see one way or the other what they do with this, but it's going to be hard to, you know, deny him playing time because of how good he is regardless. So, um, you know, something like this could easily get strung out all the way into the off offseason. Uh, we've seen things like this happen before where the news comes out, it's a big deal for a few weeks. They try and shove it, uh, push it under the rug, and then it, uh, the the flame, the kindle, you know, everything kind of reignites here at a at a certain point later down the road. So I'm um, going to be really curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, you and I both, man. Oof. But let's <laughs> Breaking get news as we start the podcast. I know, but let, let's go ahead and. Um, dive into everything that happened this week. I mean, you know, going over the John League, there was a whole lot that transpired here. Um, and let's let's just kick off by, by looking at the recap from week one. Uh, and I would like to just lead it off here with the matchup between, uh, you know, our, 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 our guest host last week, Andres, and <laughs> Tackett, because – We've talked about setting weekly high records before. This has got to be it, right? I think this might be the highest score ever. 
I think so too. 228.9 points. I don't think we've ever beat that. I don't I don't think so either. There's he he had pretty much every single player that exploded. Uh absolutely absurd. And he didn't even have Sammy Watkins on his team. No, but I mean that was the only one. He had Dak Prescott, Christian McCaffrey, Mark Ingram, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton, Alshon still put up twenty two. Uh, I mean, God, that, that I mean, even Njoku caught a touchdown on a, yeah. on a losing effort. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't do anything special, but he filled his spot, and then he got twenty points out of his kicker and defense, which. You know, I forgot in this league how important defense really is. I'm glad I drafted a good one because you can really take uh, some 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 uh, a beating here with negative points with defense in this league. The way Jimmy has the scoring set up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if your defense allows over 550 yards, it's negative 15. Just to show you how difficult this scoring can be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so it can be very challenging, but he's got the Rams defense, so he's in a good spot there. And then obviously Justin Tucker, who hit eight extra points in a field goal. So um, that's, that's some good return as well. I would just like to say, um, you know, we were kind of uh, – I was kind of calling out Andres a little bit, and there were, there were um, you know, some things that – uh, you know, Andres said that, um, I think he, I think there was one thing he hit on that was correct. I forget what it was. I'm sure it'll come up later. Um, but, uh, Chris Carson, uh, definitely did not almost see a 50, 50 split with Rashad. That's <laughs> something along those lines. Um, and I had to immediately say he was wrong to protect the sanctity and the credibility of this podcast. I looked up those numbers as well, and Chris Carson last year had 274 carries where Rashad Penny on the season had 86. So you do the math, that's roughly a 77% to 23% uh, split on the carries on the year. Uh, and I think a couple other backs probably got a carry or two or you know several carries uh, like McKissick and some of the other guys. But overall, Penny did not come anywhere close to splitting uh carries with chris carson last year no no he did not um he was involved and there there were you know as you said mckissick was involved as well as a couple other guys but chris carson was always the lead guy when he was healthy yep and i I felt like chris carson was gonna have a good week this week and sure enough he did and he also uh, but more importantly, he produced in the passing game like I thought was going to happen. So um, just kind of going into this matchup here, I think at least Andres listened to me and not playing Rashad Penny as he had a total of 18 rushing yards and 1.8 whopping fantasy points for this matchup. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Andres' team is pretty much exactly what we thought it was going to be. Um his running backs, Joe Mixon, 3.7, and Kenyon Drake, 4.7. And when you go and look at the bench, it doesn't get any better. Rashad Penny, 1.8. Jalen Samuels, 1.6. And AP was a healthy scratch. So, Andres is in some serious trouble with his running backs. Yeah, I think um, I would I would actually 
you know, with Darius Geis uh, having this injury here, we don't really know what the timeline looks, but he might be out a few weeks considering they're saying it's a some sort of uh, strain in his um, or, or injury to his meniscus and his yep. non-injured knee. Um, so Adrian Peterson is going to get a workload this week. He, he will not be a healthy scratch again, um, at least for this week. So um, I, I would even consider him over Kenyon Drake uh, going into this week here. Yeah, uh, I think you have to use him. And Joe Mixon, who knows if he's going to play? He left the game injured. Oh, and... I did not know that. Yes, he left really early in the game, and it was a Gio Bernard show the rest of the way. Wow, okay. So uh, that's something to certainly keep an eye on. I mean, regardless, even if Andres hit on all of his players, even if he played Deshaun Jackson, which I don't blame him for not playing him, um, but he wouldn't wouldn't have even come close to matching what kind of points Tackett's team put up here. No, I mean, Tackett's team, it just went off. And frankly, it's getting pretty old where Tackett's team explodes um, for the second consecutive year. The whole, it, it worked out well for him getting to keep Christian McCaffrey in the second round and then winning the March Madness bracket. So he had the first overall pick and selected DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that combination is going to be lethal. I think I said um, how Dak Prescott last podcast seemed like almost like an underrated player when you actually look at his numbers, and he certainly didn't disappoint uh, this week here. I don't expect him to put up these numbers every single week. I think he's going to do well, Um, but I I do think they're going to lean on Zeke more as they work him into the game. Zeke didn't get a full workload um, despite playing well on his end. Uh, anyways, but um, so I, I don't expect Dak to be putting up these gaudy numbers every single week. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Tackett does with his tight ends moving forward because it's hard to it's hard to deny TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he looked like a big part of that Detroit Lions offense, um, and really most of those points came within regulation. He really didn't get any more fantasy points. Uh, going into the overtime. So it's not like that extra run padded his numbers or anything. Uh, and I don't know how much I can really rely on David Njoku week to week. He certainly does have that potential and capability to put up games where he scores a touchdown, but um, he can also put up a four or five point uh, dud as well. Yeah, that Browns offense can't really be trusted uh, yet, at least. I got to tell you. I apologize to those Cleveland fans out there, but <laughs> I was never I, – I don't think anything could have been more exciting for me on Sunday than to watch the Browns get annihilated by the Titans. Okay, so let's let's just uh, use that as a transition to your matchup here as well. And where do you think we're going to – what do you think we're going to hit on right now? I think we're going to hop on that Derrick Henry train. That's right. That is right. Oh, man. Oh, just all the things you and I have to say as being the only two believers in Derrick Henry, I think, in our entire league. Um, everybody shit on him. I, I'm pretty sure in our draft podcast edition, uh, I told you how everybody, like, booed when I picked him. Yep. Yeah, 
yeah, looks looks pretty terrible right now with the twenty nine point game. I was a full supporter of a, uh, of that Derrick Henry pick. I really felt like he's a good player. He's going to get the workload. Um, he's going to see that volume, and he has that big playability. Um, he he's not going to catch the ball out of the backfield consistently, but he made he certainly made that one screenplay uh, worth the uh, one catch there. So. Um, you know, I, I think that was a little bit of karma just coming back at the rest of the league there. However, the rest of your team really didn't show up that much here um, and wasn't able to to keep pace here with Dennison's team. No, um, my team really kind of shit the bed, mostly the receiver core. Uh, Julio Jones, the Falcons offense was horrible. Um, they looked like they were still in training camp against a fully prepared Vikings squad. Oh yeah. Where what'd you say? I said, oh yeah. I'm oh Vikings yeah. Okay. Fan, so Yeah, yeah. The Vikings, man, Kirk Cousins threw the ball ten times. <laughs> ten times. I've never seen that in my life. In and, the NFL and, and see it win at least. Right. So I guess that kind of can tie in with my Stefan Diggs production, two catches for thirty seven yards. Um, which normally I'd be pretty concerned about, but considering he had over a third of Kirk Cousins' passing yards, I feel like I'm not too terribly worried. And there were reports um, that he was—I mean, he was—he was on the injury report. Um, so there, if you actually look at the numbers, uh, and this is something for any Stefan Diggs owner out there moving forward, anytime Stefan Diggs lands on the injury report, his uh, game log, uh, fantasy numbers actually take a drastic hit for that following Sunday. So it's something to keep an eye on. Like I'm not telling anyone to bench Stefan Diggs just because he's on the injury report. Um, but it's, it looked like I went back and watched cause I'm a Vikings fan. So I went back and watched the condensed game on the NFL app. Uh, and I was able to, you know, kind of observe a few things. Diggs really didn't look a hundred percent. Um, and Julio actually looked, in my opinion, perfectly fine. It just, um, they, they just weren't running, like they weren't running plays towards him. There were, um, certain plays where you thought they should have gone to him and they were trying to get too cute with running the ball, um, as much as they wanted to. So, it was an odd, a very odd game, the way that game played out. Uh, and Julio still ended up with 15 points there. So, Yeah, he already got his first touchdown of the year off the board, so uh, we can get rid of that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so he didn't really, really go for a whole lot of yards, but I do see him having a nice bounce back week uh, this upcoming week here as long as he stays healthy. Absolutely. And I – is. I lost to Dennison 119 to 149, but I feel very positive in the loss because a lot of my concerns going into the season were the few things that panned out for me. Um, Jacoby Brissett and the Colts offense, they were spectacular. They, they ran two eight minute drives that they scored on both of them. And if it weren't for Vinatieri missing two field goals and an extra point, they would have beat the Los Angeles chargers. Um, so my OP spot where I put Brissett in worked out fantastic. And then the other eligible guy I have there in Andy Dalton, that offense 
was unbelievable. He threw for 418 yards. It was a career high. Uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. So, and, and then I was worried about Greg Olson not getting the same amount of targets as, as he usually does. And he, he was peppered the whole game by Cam Newton. So I, I feel pretty good about my team moving forward. I was, um, I think I might have said last episode I would consider Eckler over Brissett in that OP spot. Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting that you did end up playing Brissett. I don't blame you, but at the same time, that's a huge. That was a, that ended up ended up being a huge point differential in a full PPR. Eckler had pretty much forty points, where Brissett had sixteen and a half. Um, that would have made your game a lot closer, but I, I share um, the agony with you in the Denver defense last night yeah. as in my other in my keeper league, I was actually winning. Um, I was winning and I ended up losing because of Denver defense um, going into that literally the last game. And I just was thinking the whole time come on, Von Miller can't get one sack. They can't get one turnover. Like, just give me a couple sacks at least. At the very least, give me two points, you know? Um, right. So that that personally, I think, would be my concern with your team is, you know, the Denver defense isn't really that – Didn't at least last night, they looked like you could run the ball all over them. They didn't look like that staple fantasy defense that you can confidently start week in and week out. It was one of those things where they looked horrible, but the talent versus what you know what showed up on the on the stat sheet, it just doesn't make sense. It's not at all. Um, I so, think there will be some regression to the mean. Right. Um, the Oakland Raiders offensive line is very well one of the best offensive lines in the league this year. Uh, and I'm not just basing that off of the performance last night, but if you actually look at their roster on the offensive line, it is a good, it's a good lineup. So if those guys can stay healthy, they've got a very strong O line to compete. Um, you know, despite how old some of those guys are. Yeah, I mean they made some great offseason acquisitions, and we're calling them that their offensive line showed up yesterday, and that's without Richie Incognito, probably their best offensive lineman. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do once he's back. It, it sounds like a really sound unit. So Dennison's team had a really nice win here. Um, there's certainly con- some concerns coming out of this win with his team. Uh, again, we'll see what happens with Antonio Brown, but I got to imagine Josh Gordon, he plays the same exact role as he did um, in this week. I'm not too concerned with his role. Uh, just because Antonio Brown is going to basically take Philip Dorsett's spot as long as he plays um, and kind of be that, that shifty route runner. Um, and and he'll, I think he'll, I think Brown will cut into Edelman's production more than anyone's. Um, but I am concerned about carry on Johnson moving forward here. A hundred percent. Just because the Lions continually year in and year out, they just can't find a way to run the ball, and they did not look like um, a team that could run the ball very well. Um, but and, and Dennison's got some depth spots that he can certainly uh, experiment with here. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, 
carry on Johnson. The reason he underperformed is because CJ Anderson had an almost identical uh, touch total to him. So even though carry on's a superior back, CJ Anderson was still getting heavy usage, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it's what they're doing. And that's, that's what you got to be concerned about with carry on Johnson um, is, is that they're not feeding him like a workhorse. Uh, not currently. Now, the one silver lining there is because he did have the knee injury and get hurt last year. They very well are. I mean, it's it's pretty blatantly obvious to me that they're working him back into the mix. They are. They don't want to give him a full workload right away to not overwork that knee. Um, I think they're trying to get him up to that speed there, which is why they brought CJ Anderson in and paid him a nice chunk of money. Um We'll see, though. We'll see. I mean, if C.J. Anderson these next couple weeks here can carve out a role and, and run effectively and do well, um, they might not ever get back around, to, at least for this season, giving Carrion Johnson that full workload. It's definitely something to be concerned about with your, you know, third-round draft pick. Let alone He was a keeper, though, which I believe he only cost him a six-round pick. So that works out well for him. I think it was an eighth-round pick. Oh, maybe was it really an eighth? Wow, I believe so. That's a bargain. Um, not concerned about Mahomes whatsoever. I think the the ankle thing, um, it's just going to be a nagging injury. But I mean, he it's not like Mahomes has to rely on his legs too much as well. He is he can move. He's mobile. He can get out of the pocket, but at the same time, he can also throw the ball eighty yards down the field on the time. So, um. Not concerned about him, but Juju overall, um, I, I felt like to me, first of all, Juju, I think he, some of those catches came because they were trailing from behind the entire game. Um, yeah. But the Steelers receivers, there's no one besides Juju, in my opinion. No one in that receiving core looks good besides him. And defenses are going to key in on Juju to, to limit his ability here. James Washington is going to end up taking the spot from Dante Moncrief. Uh, Moncrief had 11 targets and caught three of them for seven yards. So Moncrief, if you watch the entire game, he was dropping balls right and left. Oh, he was um, bad. Yeah, he was awful. If if you, And if you do that with Ben Roethlisberger, um, he's not a guy to forgive you. So I think they're going to give Moncrief another game or two to get things right. And if he doesn't, Washington's taking that role. And I think Washington is really going to succeed. They also like Deontay Johnson, too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that receiving core plays out. Um, but I, I don't think those guys are as good as their the Steelers had been hyping them up to be. And I think you can certainly find a way to, to limit that offense. I, I also think the Steelers' game plan was horrible. They should have just pounded the rock like – yeah. Give the ball to James Conner. You have one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the league and they just weren't feeding him. So I got to imagine the Steelers get back to more of a, um, a more of a balanced offense and, and, and incorporate the run a little bit more here moving forward. We see this every year where teams over they they over prepare themselves almost to face the Patriots and they stress themselves out and then they run them their own game plan into the ground. And honestly, I, I'm not going to be concerned about the Steelers' offense until we see how they do next week, just because the Patriots are that animal that can upset any team. I mean, we saw them shut down the Rams 
in possibly the worst Super Bowl game of all time. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it's kind of what they do. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on here to another game. How about we hit on uh, – we'll hit on Caleb and Jimmy because Caleb also had an unbelievably high-scoring game. Yeah. And this is one where I really have to own up to giving Caleb a hard time about the receivers he's playing. First of all, I need to give Caleb some credit here. Caleb went out on the waiver <laughs> wire and picked up John Ross and started his ass, got 35 points. Um, yeah, that's, that's wow. a hell of a move right there. Um, ballsy. I don't really know if he knew what he was necessarily doing, but, um, that certainly worked out. But what I'm even more surprised about is Chris Conley. I, I specifically <laughs> said on this podcast last episode, how I couldn't believe he was starting Chris Conley in his receiver slot week one. And Chris Conley goes out and has six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. So I don't think Caleb knew. I don't think he had any kind of, you know, extra insight that everyone else had. But he just kind of rolled with the guys he felt good plugging in there. Yeah, this is what we call the classic Caleb wild card play. Caleb finds some random guys, throws them into his lineup and says, Let's see what happens. And he puts up 190 points. It, <laughs> it, it's bound to happen a time or two each season. Um, props to Caleb, man. What an ass kicking he gave to the commissioner. But uh, these guys. All right, let's keep going there, Derek. Yeah. So go figure. Anchor cuts us off. Um, <laughs> I was just saying it. Caleb's team, I mean, props to him, man, for playing playing these random guys that go out there and put up big points, um, but he's going to regress and it's going to come pretty quickly uh, like next week. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I don't, I can see Chris Conley continuing to have a role with Gardner Minshew um, just because they probably got a lot of practice reps together. I don't think Chris Conley's going six for a hundred, with a touchdown every week though. And I personally think John Ross also way outperformed what he's normally going to put up as well. I don't think John Ross is that good, and I'm not on the John Ross hype train. Agreed. Uh, Chris Conley, I don't see him having more than like 16 points at any point this year. Um, DJ Chark is the guy there. For D.D. Westbrook owners, I'd be concerned about him as well because D.D. kind of got bailed out by a touchdown, I believe. He wasn't doing anything until late in the game when they were losing by so many points to the Chiefs. Um, DJ Chark is a real athlete there. That's the guy I would want to own. Um, John Ross, man, unbelievable game. I've never he, – he's always looked terrible every time he's played, but uh, I'm sure his hamstring's acting up. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see it continuing. I do see Evan Ingram continuing to put up the crazy numbers that he did this week, though. Um, he is just going to get sheer volume week to week, in my opinion, with that, with that offense. So, um, I don't see Evan Ingram, uh, slowing down. I don't know if he's going to put up 28 points every game, but I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Um, the, the one, the, oh, the one thing I wanted to hit on with the Jaguars though is, 
everyone's got to remember they played the Chiefs. That is the biggest pace up matchup that you can get in the entire NFL. So just understand that you know, he had all of these Jaguars receivers with these high point totals, but um, in reality, you're not going to get that 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 pace up game. You're not going to be trying to chase down a team that you know throws up 40 points a week um, in that in in in, a, in your matchup every single week. So just remember that these guys, I think, all hit their ceilings, um, and I don't see them, you know, putting up the numbers that they did uh, this week every week. I agree. And uh, while we're talking about the Chiefs, Caleb had Damian Williams, who had 18 and a half points. Damian Williams is coming back, coming back down. Um, LaShawn McCoy looked a lot better. He's taking the lead job there. Um, Damian Williams is going to be borderline RB2 and 3 the rest of the season. And I haven't watched that uh, game yet. I do plan on watching that. Um, but from what it looked like, uh, in some of the highlights I saw and some of the analysis that I read, um, it, it looks like LaShawn McCoy isn't even fully integrated into that offense just because he hasn't had enough time. So I agree. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to dive into that, carve out a little bit more of that role, and I'm excited to watch that, uh, rewatch that game and just kind of see what exactly went down there. Yeah, I watched that game live. Um LaShawn McCoy shot out of a cannon. He had some huge runs where he did. I saw that highlight of that one run too. That was that was nice. Yeah, it, it did not look like LaShawn McCoy. Um he looks like a whole new man there. Maybe maybe being on a winning team really gets you going. Um LaShawn McCoy twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah. It looked like his time before he went to the Bills, man. He he looked really, really good. Um and then Damian Williams, he also had a touchdown. Because of his one touchdown that led to the majority of his points came from a – there's a fourth down play, and the Jags held them on fourth, um, stopped them, and then somebody committed a unsportsmanlike conduct, and they got a free first down at 15 yards, and Damian Williams converted on that. Without that play, wow. it's a trash performance. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that offense is, like we just said, is going to put up so many points. Um, you know, that I think that's the flip side of this is, you know, because of how many points and what kind of high pace that offense is going to run at, Williams will still hold value. Um, he's just not going to hold, in my opinion, the value of where he was drafted at, which is which is what we were, what we've kind of come to agreements all along since day one of the draft here. Right, right. I think there's going to be some weeks when Caleb questions whether or not he should be starting Damian Williams. On the on the other side, we have Sammy Watkins just chilling on Jimmy's bench there. Um, we did not give any kind of high praise whatsoever to Sammy Watkins coming into this year. I think you even went as far as saying – I don't, I don't, I don't know what you said about him, but we we were not kind to Sammy Watkins going into the start of the season, and wow, he looked like Sammy Watkins in his first and second year there. Yeah, I, I mean, he he looked like Sammy Watkins. He looked like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he looked like a Sammy Watkins we've never seen. Um, that was a ridiculous performance. Uh, 
I'm very curious to see if it continues. We know he's got injury issues, and he's never had a game come close to this. So, I, honestly, it's amazing. Good for him. He had a, almost 200 yards. But it, I'd be really – it'd be tough for me to believe that this is going to continue. Moving forward, though, and just looking at Jimmy's team, especially with Tyreek Hill out for we don't even know how long. I think it's going to be two months. That's that's kind of what they're saying. They're they're trying to decide if they're going to have to put him on the uh, injured reserve list to return uh, or not. I don't know if they made that move yet or not. Um, but I would consider Sammy Watkins over Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, if Ty, yeah, as long as Tyreek's out, you have to. Um, the Chiefs, they have led a lot of people astray with that timeline they give out like an initial like two to four week timeline or two to six that injury consistently requires eight weeks to recover minimum so i don't know where they came up with that timeline or if they were just trying to i don't know not get people freaked out but i don't think it's an accurate timeline i think he could hit injured reserve jimmy kind of has a surplus in receivers here uh i i wouldn't mind if i was in his spot maybe moving a guy like Cortland sutton and uh someone else for like a high-end quarterback here like if you moved Cortland sutton and ben roethlisberger for a premier quarterback i think that would be a good trade for for both sides yeah i mean yeah Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, even Sammy Watkins, even combine Sammy Watkins for uh, a higher-end QB or even a a more stable running back. I mean, Marlon Mack concerns me just because defenses, they, they are going to load the box. But if Jacoby keeps doing what he's been doing, they're not going to have that opportunity. I just don't feel 100% comfortable yet with him. You know what I mean? Where, yeah. where I would look to upgrade. To a, to a steady RB1 over Marlon Mack. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Marlon Mack. I mean, you th- what? He you think he's at 174 yards, and he's – I mean, you got to remember he has Zeke, and Zeke's going to get RB1 numbers here pretty soon, pro- probably next week. Um, so Marlon Mack already is a low-end RB1. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think he needs to upgrade at running back. I think he needs to upgrade his OP spot. Yeah, I disagree with you on RB1 for Marlon Mack. I, I don't see him. Low no end. Way. I mean, high end or RB2, low end RB1, like on that fringe kind of RB12 on the year kind of player. We'll see how it pans out. He's also got to stay healthy, which is something he's never done. So we'll see. Just the, the reason I'm concerned is because look at his team. He has a ton of wide receiver depth and absolutely no running back. Yeah, like if one running back goes down, he has nothing. He has no one to replace him with. So, honestly, I would flip Sutton for a, a running back. Running back, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's a good move. Uh, let's move on for time's sake here. And we'll go ahead and look at Nate and Lennon. <laughs> a shocking upset with Nate beating Lennon. Yeah, we, we uh, raved about Lennon's team. Yeah, yeah, we, we really liked Lennon's team. Uh, we talked nonstop about how good his draft was, and he was the lowest-scoring team of week one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was kind of 
uh, hard to figure out. I mean, O.J. Howard, again, I, I, I said I couldn't believe how high he took O.J. Howard in the draft. Uh, I personally am not shocked by Jared Goff, although I thought Jared Goff would put up a few more points, especially given his offense scored 30. Um, he didn't get anything out of his defense and kicker, which certainly doesn't help. Uh, you know, the thing about Lennon's team here is that Dalvin Cook had a good game. All of these other guys contributed. They just none. He didn't really have any other boom players. He had a lot of high floor kind of games. Um, so, in my opinion, this is kind of the low end of what Lennon's team is going to do from week to week. Uh, I expect higher point totals here from this team moving forward. I agree. I agree completely. Um, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about Adam Thielen just because of how hard they're trying to run the ball there, but whatever Adam Thielen doesn't do Dalvin cook will do for him. So I guess it kind of evens out a little bit there. OJ Howard. I'm not a believer in Jameis Winston looked like trash. Um, And, and Jared Goff, very, very odd to have, under 10 points, but I'm all, I also don't have the most confidence in him this season. Yeah. I'm not like a huge golf fan here, Um, but he'll put up better point games than what he did. 186 yards, a touchdown, the pick like that's just, and I know he can perform better than that. Um, You know, the part, the also problem with that game was that you had Malcolm Brown, basically vulture two touchdowns from Gurley and uh, any kind of passing touchdowns. Uh, Adam Thielen, you know, the Vikings ran the ball as much as they did uh, and just drained the clock. They just controlled possession of that game. They didn't have to pass the ball because of how well they were running it and how much time they were chewing off the clock there. So I'm not worried about Adam Thielen. He looked fantastic. He looked like the Thielen that we all know and, uh, know how good he is, so um, not concerned whatsoever with that. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have better games than what he did. Uh, he played the Bears, arguably the best defense in the league this year. See, I'm not as much of a believer in Adam Thielen as you are. Um, oh my God, you got to go watch more more tape of him then, because he he just his routes, and it's not even his route running; it's his ability to. Um, move off of a cornerback and just find the smallest holes in defenses and catch the ball in the like weirdest ways. Like it's it's hard for me to describe. You just have to go and watch to get a better feel for why he's so good. Yeah, so I think he's amazing when he's lined up in the slot. I on as a wide receiver too on the outside. I think he's mis- he's overmatched. I, I don't think he's going to pan out if they keep him out on the outside. Oh my gosh! Okay, you're, you gotta go. You gotta watch that game or something then, because like go, go download and see all three of his catches. Just watch. Yeah, go watch that game, and all three of his catches were actually spectacular. Um, go to that game, download the NFL game app, and get the NFL Game Pass seven day free trial, and watch the Vikings game just to see his three catches, they were all fantastic catches. All right, you've given me some homework. We'll see what happens. Uh, moving moving 
forward here, though, and looking at Nate's team, Nate's team did really well. The biggest surprise to me was last night with Darren Waller. I thought that Darren Waller was just this hard knocks hype player, and he actually went out and had seven catches for 70 yards. I was floored with how good Darren Waller looked. I think Darren Waller is going to be the real deal. Um, I think so, too. Which I did not think that before this game. No, um, he's he's a guy who, if you watch Hard Knocks, he has had a lot of bad things happen in his life, and he's finally put it all together. And he's a guy that everybody wants to root for because he's gotten past, he's battled through addictions, he's gotten cut. Now he's he's on the right path, and all he wants to do is work and succeed. And this this guy, he seems like an integral part of the Raiders' offense. He seems like he's the number two to Tyrell. And and in terms of Raiders here, Josh Jacobs also looked fantastic uh, last night. And we were not very high on Josh Jacobs at all going into the season. So we have to kind of um, kind of eat that one as well because he he looked pretty good running the ball and finding finding the holes and had great had great vision. Quite frankly, it's week one, Mark. I think it's too early to eat. Eat our words. I, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think he's putting up twenty-four fantasy points every week, but no. um, because I, I think that was partially the Denver's defensive line just being non-existent. But right, um, he was hitting the hole, man. He he had great vision. Um, he was finding small spots in the defense to exploit, and um, and was patient running the football. So um, he, he he looked pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look bad to me, but he also I, – I didn't think he looked spectacular. Alvin Kamara? I mean, he's not – he didn't look like Alvin Kamara, but um... – I, I I just – I didn't think he looked great. His yards per uh, per carry were pretty low um, heading into the final quarter, which I don't know what he ended up with um, yards per carry-wise. But I think when I looked at, like, the third quarter, it was, like, 3.8, which isn't great. Um, and, and something was up with that Denver defense. That's, they collapsed completely. They, I don't know what was up with it, but I don't think he's going to look quite like that. But like he, he has, he has that role. Like he, Oh yeah. Like unquestioned. Like, like when just talking surely from a fantasy perspective, if he gets 20 carries a game, he's going to be a high end RB too. Yeah, touches are key, and if they keep Jalen Rashard out of the picture and it's all Josh Jacobs, I, I agree. He's he's a locked-in RB2 minimum. I, I personally have concerns about Nate's quarterbacks, though. Um, I was never high on Jameis Winston. Uh, really not surprised with a bad performance there. I was surprised with how good the 49ers' defense did look, but um, I, I – I, don't have a lot of confidence in Winston and this game just kind of reinforced my opinion on him and Josh Allen didn't really do a whole lot either to, to really kind of win me over either. No, Nate's got an issue at quarterback and his backup quarterback, Nick Foles broke his collarbone. So um, he might need to seek out a trade here, but I don't really know what he would trade. Um, He's probably going to be looking for quarterback on the waiver wire. That's... what's he going to find there? Gardner Minshew and Case Keenum. Those are the only two on the waiver wire. That's what I'm saying. I think he's probably going to pursue one of those guys there. Well, 
I oof. <laughs> oh boy, I do not envy. Uh, I I don't want to be in his shoes. I was a couple weeks ago, um, and then he <laughs> traded all of his quarterbacks to me. So yeah, that was kind of surprising that he just moved them all before the season started there. So I was a little a little surprised about that. Um, let's move on to Jack and Carl here. That was uh, one of the closest games of the week. Uh, 155 to 150, and Carl beats Jack week one. Pulls uh, off a huge upset. And I got. I, I want to go back to my picks that I made because I want to say that all of the teams that I picked won. No um, way. Except for Caleb. Caleb was the only one that I picked against, I think. You didn't pick Caleb. Um, I picked I, everyone. I, 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 I thought you picked Nate, or I thought you picked Lennon, not Nate. No, I think I picked Nate. I don't know about that one. You picked Carl over Jack? Yeah, remember? You guys were giving me a hard time because I said Carl – I thought Carl would beat Jack this week. Interesting. Right? Well, you had a good week then. I remember – it. maybe it wasn't – I we. I'll have to go back and listen to the episode, but I know – there were two games where both you and Andres strongly opposed my opinion on who would win. And I believe I picked Carl for this game. I really Interesting. I, I know for a fact one of them that we opposed you on was your own matchup. We really thought you were going to lose to QR. Yeah, and I thought I was going to win. And then I think this was the other one. All right. Well, yeah. Well, Carl, we'll, have to, we'll have to double check that. But it was either this one. I think it was this. It's got to be this one. Pretty sure it was this one. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to go back and look there. Um, but you know who surprised me on Jack's team despite the loss is Mark Andrews. Um, and I mean yep. Lamar Jackson too because I – obviously I don't think anyone saw Lamar Jackson putting up five touchdown passes. Uh, but Mark Andrews looked like the best tight end in fantasy this year. I'm not saying he is. He just looked like it. Yeah, he's not. Um, he'll 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 be hard pressed to finish top five. I think I think he's gonna finish you know nine or ten. Um, but he had a great a great start to the season. Lamar Jackson. This will probably be his best performance of the entire year. Um, he he had a, a remarkable game, and he's not normally gonna do something like this. So Mark Andrews normally isn't gonna get eight catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. I agree. Um, and the other thing about that Ravens defense that people need to remember is that uh, they also have Hayden Hurst, uh, who I think they try and work in uh, into the game. They run two tight end sets, I believe. So I think you're going to have up and down weeks for Mark Andrews. Like you're going to have this, and then you're going to have another week where he goes two catches for 10. Um, so I don't know if you can rely on him week to week, but – this was certainly a, an upwards uh, trending development here for that Ravens offense and specifically in the tight end spot with Andrews uh, and brought his stock up significantly as well. Um, but I, I, my biggest concern about Jack's team is uh, like you said, and I, I think you were, you, you called this one over me, Todd Gurley. Um, yep. Because Malcolm Brown just took all his points away. Yeah, I had some serious issues with Todd Gurley's health moving into the year, and it was proven right there week one that he is not fully healthy. He's not going to get a full workload. Um, he's he's not even the goal line back. 
Malcolm Brown got two touchdowns on the goal line. He was the only one used in the red zone. Um, and I'm pretty sure their, their carry totals were very, very similar. Um, this is frightening. Todd Gurley, he's not an RB1 this year. Uh, you're looking at an RB2 mid-range. If you were in Jack's shoes moving forward, would you consider playing Michael Gallup consistently over Curtis Samuel? No. Dak threw for like 400-some yards. So, um, I don't think so. I don't know if the answer to his wide receiver situation is on his team yet. I do agree that I don't I don't trust Curtis Samuel yet. I have issues with Brandon Cooks. Um, I considered him the least – the least involved wide receiver on that Rams team going into this season. And he had what two catches. So, I mean, he's got some serious concerns with his team. Um, it, I think he needs to find a wide receiver um, to help, to help himself out. He's, he's actually showing a lot of holes on the team right now. I, I agree with that. Um, but what I would say is, and Oh, by the way, uh, he did not play Aaron Jones, which if anyone knows uh, Jack's fantasy uh, pursuits of his team from this past over these past this past year, everyone knows that Jack is like in love with Aaron Jones. He thinks he's like the best player ever. Um, <laughs> and so for him to decide to bench him uh, and play Kyler, Kyler Murray in his OP says a lot about his, I guess, second guessing of that Aaron Jones. Uh, move there. So I think it was just a bad matchup for Aaron Jones. He's up against the Bears D. I agree, but would you play Aaron Jones over Kyler Murray moving forward? I don't know. I mean this is a, a super flex league. It's always it's always better to have a quarterback in that OP slot, I feel. Um I think I think, I think he's got to consider playing Aaron Jones over Todd Gurley. That's gonna be I, I think he probably has to make a decision after week four. Like, give it a month and see what, what, what's happening between those two guys and then maybe trade one of them for a receiver. Um, but you got you to gotta give it some time to play out and see what happens between those two. Um, my, going back to Curtis Samuel and Michael Gallup, I just think that Michael Gallup looked – he looked good, man. He was running crisp routes. He looked like he looks like he took a big stride this offseason. And he is a bigger role, in my opinion, than Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel is such a boomer bust player, but I would rather have Brandon Cooks as my boomer bust player in the lineup. So contrary to what you're saying, yes, he doesn't he's not gonna get the volume every week, but Brandon Cooks will go off um and more consistently than Curtis Samuel, in my opinion. So um I, I think you gotta continue riding it out with Cooks here, but probably throw Gallup into that wide receiver three spot. Yeah, I mean I I'm looking over his team and realizing we're looking at a entirely boom bust team right here. <laughs> yeah, kind of um a- everybody on this team it is except up, for it is very maybe up and David down. Johnson. Yeah, you're right. Um besides David Johnson Chris Godwin, you could probably make an argument that he's um, he's he can be consistent, but you know he didn't have a whole lot of production because of Jameis Winston's problems, right? Um, this is going to be a different year, I think, for for Jack. I agree. And Kyler Murray finished with twenty one point six. 
by the way you're talking about it, I think you agree with me, um, which puts us <laughs> disagreeing with the ma- vast majority of people who just looked at the box score. He played horribly for three and a half quarters. I mean, absolutely horribly. I wouldn't say horribly, but he played like a rookie in his first game. Um, it was bad. I, I, I'd i say it was pretty horrible um, against the Detroit defense that's, you know, it's okay, but it's nothing special. Detroit defense is, is pretty decent. Um, they're not the best defense or even arguably the best. They're in upper tier defense, um, probably around 10th best. So they're good. They're not bad. Um, but you got to remember, again, it's every – like not every even even the best play quarterbacks of all time a rookie in their first game is not necessarily going to light it up and but what I what I will say is that if they didn't have that overtime game Kyler Murray's fantasy points would be in the single digits right now and not at 22 points so um I'm a little concerned about just again like you said it's going to be very boom or bust you know you're going to get Kyler Murray who puts up 10 points maybe one game and you know, upwards of 30 and uh, another. So um, I think Jack's team, if he makes the playoffs, could be dangerous because of how if his team gets hot, like he could just completely go off. But in that same breath, like he needs to make the playoffs first. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Making the playoffs in a 12-teamer when eight teams make it isn't too terribly difficult, but uh, we'll see how he gets there. All right, so let's move on, and we'll look at the final matchup between me and Kuhar. I did squeak out the win like I predicted against the vast majority here. Uh, and even despite a Tyreek Hill getting hurt at the very beginning of the game, uh, my kicker, who I was very excited about, putting up a nice goose egg in Matt Bryant. <laughs> and Devontae Freeman severely underperforming and only putting up four points as well. So... Um, I don't know how my team survived this matchup here, but, um, you know, because if I would have told, even told myself, hey, Tyreek Hill is going to get hurt in the first quarter um, or, or early in the game, uh, but you're still going to win, I would have laughed at you. So uh, the fact that my team pulled this out here is pretty, pretty incredible. Incredible is the right way to describe it. Um, I'd be concerned with some of the injuries you faced this week. You lost Tyreek Hill for what we just spoke about could be eight weeks. And you also lost Darius Geis. Um, you got some some boys to fill now with these guys. Will Fuller only had two catches. Um, I'm not worried about only, that. I don't know why he was only targeted two times. He looked amazing. Um, it was just the way I, the game played out. Like, you got to remember in the NFL, like, sometimes these things happen. Like, he looked good. He ran great routes. But – DeAndre Hopkins was just always open. So um, that's going to happen from game to game when you have DeAndre Hopkins opposite your view because literally DeAndre Hopkins is open every play. So um, he didn't really need to look Will Fuller's way too much. All right, then should we look at the most worrisome aspect, uh, non-injury related with your team, which is Devontae Freeman basically splitting snaps with Ito Smith. Yeah, he it, it, it was not a good showing. Um you know, with that being said, Vikings run defense, the defensive line for the Vikings is like, is arguably the best defensive line in the league. Like, it's incredible. Right there with the Bears, um, so, and the Eagles. So, 
I'm concerned, but uh, I, I think I have the depth to keep me afloat. I, I think that what I was really surprised about was on Thursday night, David Montgomery didn't get the workload that I thought they would give him right off the bat. Um, but with the carries and, and snaps that he got, he looked good. Like, yeah. you know, his fantasy points would, would not say that. Um, but if you actually watch that game, he did look good in that game. And I, I've got to imagine I'm going to have to look at some Bears beat writers or check out some of their blogs and stuff. But I got to imagine they're going to give a little bit more of the workload to David Montgomery here and pull some away from Mike Davis going into next week here. Yeah, yeah, I I have to agree as well. Um, I think it's going to take some time for Montgomery to take the vast majority of work there. I think they're easing him into the offense, but he definitely looked the best running back there. Yeah, so I'm actually more concerned about high receiver uh, spots here just because of the loss of Tyreek Hill. That's a huge loss. And um, I'm okay with DJ Moore and Will Fuller. I, I personally, um, I think they'll be fine. Um, but I'm, I am concerned about that third wide receiver spot. Um, you know, when you look at it on surface level, you say, oh, well, why don't you just put in Jamison Crowder every week or Randall Cobb? And I'm like, Okay, yeah, but Jamison Crowder uh, just got joined by Demarius Thomas as of this evening. Uh, He just got signed by the Jets, and uh, I don't see, you know, I think Randall Cobb will be good for the Cowboys, and he'll open things up and do well for them, but he's going to have good games, but not necessarily every single game is going to be a good fantasy game for Randall Cobb, if that makes sense. So, um, like you said earlier, Dak's not throwing for 400 yards every single game. So, um I have a little bit of concern for that third wide receiver spot, but other than that, I think I'll be okay at running back. Yeah, I I think he'll be okay at running back as long as Devontae Freeman uh, gets back to the norm. He did have his toughest matchup of the year, um, week one, which is kind of nice. I'm not yeah. I'm not playing him week two. I've already decided. You're playing Montgomery. Yeah, I'm playing. I've already slotted him in. So how about how about that's a good transition. Let's let's just uh, dive right into the um, uh, right into the upcoming matchups here. So uh, so I have Nate this week, um, and I've got I've got Montgomery in there because he's going up against the Denver run defense. Devon- it just got ripped apart. And Devontae Freeman's going up against the Eagles run defense. Okay. Um, so I have to decide between those two. I, I personally think that they they have to give Montgomery the ball more uh, for this to work out for me. But I think they will, given that how bad the Denver's defensive line looked there. Yeah, I mean, that's the way you, you beat the Broncos, which the Raiders seem to know. So, um, yeah, that, that's what they should do there for, uh, for Chicago. So hopefully you're right with that. Um, I feel good about Le'Veon Bell against the Cleveland defense. Uh, DJ Moore, uh, feel pretty good about him going up against Tampa on a short week. And um, the one concern that I just mentioned that I do have is still uh, Jamison Crowder against Cleveland. I know he had 14 catches for 100 yards, but, um, you know, I, I don't fully 
believe that Sam Darnold is just going to go back to the well with Crowder. I think that their receivers are just kind of all interchangeable. So I have a decision make to uh, I have a decision that I have to make in that third wide receiver spot uh, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to be doing some studying up on your squad this week. Um, I'm looking at Nate's team. He's already got Sony Michelle in his OP spot against the Dolphins. Um, so I would probably do the same over Jameis Winston. And he's got Kamara uh, against the Rams and Josh Jacobs against the Chiefs. Wow. So I'm feeling like this might be a loss for me, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, I think it will be a close game. Yeah, Nate's got some pretty good matchups here. Uh, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs both facing Kansas City. Um, that could work out well for him there. I do have the Bears defense and David Montgomery paired in that correlation play against Denver, though. So um, I don't think I'm out of it. I think I've de- I think I've certainly got a shot here, especially with Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Jags defense doesn't scare me these days. So um, I feel pretty good about making this game i just don't know in the end if i'll end up actually outscoring nate here it's going to come down to what josh allen does against the giants yep and the giants defense looks terrible so we'll see (laughs) all right moving on now uh let's take a look at jack versus kuhar wow so kuhar is projected very high here Um, wow very high and I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here because um, he does have Garoppolo in his OP spot over over Kyler Murray. Well, against Kyler Murray's up against the Ravens, so I agree with that move. I agree, too. Um, and Aaron Jones, you're not going to play him against Minnesota. David Johnson could see some tough sledding against the Ravens here. But Brandon Cooks in a... Uh, kind of a um, revenge game against the New Orleans Saints. I got to imagine Brandon Cooks shows up and they're going to try and feed him and play into that narrative. Um, I think I like Jack's team here. See, on the other side, though, Kuhar Robert Woods. That could be a shootout and it could work for both of them. I, I, I like Kuhar. Um, I... I am going to go with Jack. All right. Well, we'll see what Oh, did, we, did we pick for my matchup? I'm going to pick uh, Nate here. I'm going to go against myself. <laughs> I'm all <laughs> – I like the confidence. I'm also going Nate. Uh, I'm going to pick Jack in this one against Kuhar. I, I like Kuhar. Um, I think his squad is solid. We'll see if he sets his lineup because I wonder if Mike Williams will actually be out there. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of also my thinking. He probably will just leave Mike Williams in that spot there, uh, <laughs> unless unless conspiracy theory alert, Jimmy's controlling his team. Who knows? Uh, Which none of us would ever know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that could explain that random uh, league settings change that happened on Thursday evening, right? Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. So that's a bizarre maybe he edited setting. himself as an owner of Kuhar's team, like almost like a co-owner. I like the conspiracy theory here. Um, 
I haven't. Are you on an actual computer now or on your phone? No, I'm on my phone. All right. I'm on my iPad. So we'll need to get on the computer to see if it'll tell us what the change was because a change just doesn't happen on its own. That something happens. was altered. Yeah. So it's gone so, into something to, to mess with something. It doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't happen by itself. And for the commissioner to sit here and say, well, I didn't change anything, so I don't know what's going on. It's a little fishy. I personally, my conspiracy theory is that he is controlling Kuhar's team. And I know he said that Kuhar paid up. I personally think that Kuhar didn't pay up, which could be a big problem if Jimmy's controlling two teams and basically has money on two teams. That would be pretty messed up. Um, wow. That would be the ultimate collusion. Uh, that would, it, that would be his, a real problem. His reign as commissioner would come to an end immediately. That would be a real problem. So He'd be impeached. So hopefully we, we see some signs of life of, of Kuhar in some way, shape, or form. And um, But I got to imagine there would be some outrage if Kuhar and Jimmy pulled off a lopsided trade. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm throwing it out there to cover ourselves so that it doesn't happen because that would be really be unfortunate for that yeah. to happen if that's going on. I think it plays itself out if that's going on as long as he doesn't pull some shady trades or anything. Because I think Jimmy would find a way to screw it up anyways if he was doing that. So, Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Or if they're facing each other and one lineup decides to uh, fav- unfavorably uh, put, put a pretty unfavorable lineup in there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to watch for this all season because this, this is fishy. Uh, let's go ahead and move on here. And we got Tomas trade offers or Stennison. <laughs> I love that. I think that's my favorite team name of the year. Fantastic. Um, he thinks. I, if he, I think he's pointing. He, he must be calling me out. I keep trying to trade for Melvin Gordon. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want Melvin Gordon unless I already have Austin Eckler, which I do. Um, I, I think. I think Royce Freeman's fair for Melvin Gordon. I don't. <laughs> I I think that Melvin Gordon. Yes, I was being sarcastic. There's still there's still that chance of. Gordon coming back like week eight or whenever they're saying. So um, if you can get Gordon for the final five weeks of the regular season and all through the fantasy playoffs, there's still value to be had there and good value, not just throwaway value. It's just, you have to uh, sit on him for eight weeks of non-production. So exactly. And Carl's team is not one that can sustain that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. He's got, he's got, um, Although I, I don't mind his receivers. I think Tyrell Williams is the real deal. Yep. Um, Jarvis Landry, I think regardless of OBJ being there, is going to see that volume in a full PPR. He's going to be fine. Uh, and Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. So he's got good quarterbacks or, you know, uh, satisfactory quarterbacks. Uh, but his problem is his running backs here. So, uh, Tariq Cohen could have a good game here or there. I think he has a good game this week. And uh, I think he might beat Denison this week. I could see it as well. I could see Carl beating Denison. But I, I am concerned about Matt Breida and his health, as always. Matt Breida, believe it or not, even got hurt briefly in this past – in week one. So, um, 
with Tevin Coleman now being out, Jarek McKinnon out, Raheem Mostert it looks like the long-term play. Uh, he's going to be interesting on the waiver wire as well. Yeah, yeah, which bringing up the waiver wire, that's going to be interesting to see how that works. Um, with tonight being the first Jonda League fab auction uh, waiver wire. It's going to be challenging. Um, and I think I think everyone has to remember that, you know, the, the first couple weeks you spend a lot of money um, in fab. So that's probably my one piece of um, advice. Uh, I don't think most people, I think most people in our league probably won't listen to this by this evening. So um, whenever they do listen to this, I'm curious to see what that waiver wire looks like. It probably will be different from a traditional fab waiver wire. And the fact that you're not going to have too many people spending up, but um, you will have certain guys spending up on, on some players here. I could definitely see somebody dropping 30% of their budget in the first week. <laughs> but that's completely normal in fab though. Is in it? Week one. I see. Yeah. This is something, have you used fab in the past? Um, I've, I've used it. I haven't used it to the extent that I'm doing it this year. I have three leagues and they're all, they all transition to fab this year. Um, but I have done it once. And week one is typically the heaviest spending week. Interesting. Uh, yeah. 30%, see, I, I don't 30% know is still a lot. Um, like that, that's, that's, that's kind of an exorbitantly, um, a lot of money, but like 20%, $20 is, is a pretty normal number there. Interesting. Well, we'll see if anybody, uh, decides to drop a lot of their budget tonight. Yep. Um, so, but I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at Dennison's team now, like. I could see him. I could see him going. I could see Dennison winning this game too. This is really a toss-up for me. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Carl still. Yeah, I. Well, you know what? I'm going with Dennison. Um, I'm looking at it here. I'm, I'm leaning towards him. Yeah, Mahomes and Kelsey against Oakland. Sounds pretty damn juicy to me. The Seattle secondary just got torched by uh, Tyler Boyd and the Bengals, and Juju's up against them. I'm I'm kind of liking. Oh, and Cam Newton against Tampa, and he's going to come out angry um, on a short week uh, after yeah. that poor performance this past week uh, on his part. I think what would be interesting is that I don't think Dennison will do it, but Devin Singletary maybe over Carryon Johnson. I don't think he'll do it. Or but, Duke uh, Johnson. I, I would I would nope. I would not do Duke, but I would definitely consider Singletary against the Giants. I don't think he'll do it. I don't think you can make that move this early, but um I do think that they both of those guys in a full PPR could outscore Carry on Johnson here. I agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm I'm concerned about carry on for the time being. So uh let's uh let's move let's on. Let's go ahead here. and move on, yeah. Let's take a look at backdoor deliveries versus the champion commish. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so oh man, he's already got Sammy Watkins in his uh, wide receiver slot. I mean, Jimmy doesn't look bad here, 
but Tackett just has so much firepower. I don't know how Tackett loses really any game this year. Yeah, I agree. I'm pretty concerned now um, about Tackett's team. Um, he lost Kirk- Evan Coleman. Say what? He lost Evan Coleman, but it's not like he was playing him anyways over McCaffrey or Ingram. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see T.Y. having a huge game every week. I think Jacoby's going to do a great job to spread the ball around. Um, I actually have a sleeper favorite target of his. Um, and I don't think it's going to be T.Y. So, I don't know if that's going to going to keep up and Najoku looked not exactly like a top 10 tight end week one so we'll we'll see what happens he could have some down weeks um but all all it takes is one bad week in the playoffs and he's done so we'll see which that tends to happen to tack it to uh from time to time for sure um Alshon Jeffrey I don't think he's gonna have a game so I think he could have a down week um, T.Y. Hilton is going to see some volume, though, for sure. I don't know if he's going to get, like, any kind of made-for-play or anything, but if he goes 5 for 60 or 5 for 75, I think he'll be okay. Um, I just think Tackett has so much more firepower than Jimmy here. Um, and I, I think that Zeke could even have a down game against Washington, as crazy as that sounds. I agree. Washington's deep run defense. Now, granted, Jonathan Allen's out with a multi-week injury. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I believe they diagnosed it as like a sprained MCL or something. Hmm. Yeah, so minus him, that definitely hurts their defense, but still it's a, a phenomenal defensive line. So we'll see how Zeke performs against them. Um, yeah, I I, I, I see Tackett pulling out the win here. I think so, too. So um, let's move on here. Caleb and um, and you. Yep. So how do you feel about your matchup? Um, I feel pretty, pretty damn good about it. <laughs> I, th- I think I've got this one in the bag. <laughs> I think you um, do, too. Like, unless somehow all of his guys put up a repeat performance, I don't see Caleb – adjusting his roster too much after that that 190 point game so but I don't see those guys repeating either agreed agreed I, I think Conley's gonna bottom out um same with John Ross John Ross uh he could have a decent game with San Francisco defense looked good though man like at, at, I see on week one San Francisco defense has the best fantasy defense in the league now I know it's just one week but they scored two touchdowns defensively. Yeah, well, Jameis Winston was also falling down, throwing off his back foot. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it, if you watched some of that game, I don't know if you watched any of that game, but I think it was more of the Tampa Bay offense looking horrible rather than San Fran defense looking great. Yeah. I don't think Evan Ingram does 28 points again. Um, I think the Giants run the ball a lot more, and that game becomes very slow pace. So I don't think he can rely on Evan Ingram putting up that many points either. No, and I, I thought uh, could be mistaken, but I thought that Buffalo's linebackers did a great job of covering um, tight ends. Actually, I know that they do because Micah Hyde, the free safety, comes down to cover tight ends, and he's one of the best in the league at it. I gotta watch that game. Um, the the Buffalo Jets. I saw some of it just from local TV, but. 
Um, I was actually working during the one o'clock slate, so I didn't get to watch all of the games. That's why I have to catch up on some games here. Um, so I feel pretty good about your your chances here. I think um, I, I think your highest scoring player, believe it or not, is going to be Julio this week. Agreed. On Sunday, he's going to torch Ronald Darby. Yeah, um, and Darby's pretty good, but he's just like Darby. Like one play has like a great play, and then the next play just gets shook like hard totally destroyed yep so i think they're gonna like i think the eagles are gonna be like ronald darby we need to rely on you and you need to take julio all by yourself or not necessarily all by himself but you know take on more than you know what we would normally give attention to julio with and i think julio is just gonna have like one of those like close to 200 yard games yeah i agree i think he's gonna have a massive week um, I think Derrick Henry's going to destroy the Colts' run defense as well. And, you know, yep. Drew Brees against the Rams, that, that reeks of a shootout. Oh, my gosh. It is so satisfying watching Derrick Henry go. Like, that was my favorite part about week one was just <laughs> the rest of this league being shut down by Derrick Henry and uh-huh. him going off on the Browns, especially after, like, when he scored that first touchdown and everyone was like, oh, he still sucks. Yeah. Yep. And we were just we, like, okay, just keep watching. And exactly, enough, he has a rips off a seventy-five yard screenplay. So, all the statistics that we threw at everyone um, backed up why we were fans of Derrick Henry. And basically, they were just—I I don't even know what they were saying that they were trying to write him off of. Um, but I mean, there's ten people in the sleep. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the last one, Andres. And who's who's this backdoor albatross? Who is this again? Uh, the butt fucking albatross. That would be. Uh, what's that? I said that would be Lennon versus Andres okay. here. Um, I feel like, yeah, he's already got Adrian Peterson in his running back slot. Andres does. Um, I don't know. I think Andres could win this game. With Deshaun Jackson against the Falcons on Sunday Night Football? Yeah. Carson Wentz. I mean, if Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson does – if they do it again and hook up on a big touchdown, like, that's a huge correlation play for Andres. I think a lot of – well, he's also got Baker against the Jets. That Jets defense, I think they're pretty good. I don't think the Browns offense is very good. Um, And Joe Mixon could be sitting out with an injury. So – Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah. Okay, I think I'll go with – I'll go with uh, Lennon here. Yeah, I I think I'm going to go with Lennon as well. I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a massive performance against Green Bay. And if that happens, then that is – he can run it back with Aaron Rodgers and Marquez Valdez – what is it? Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yep. so if Cook goes off, that could correlate well with Aaron Rodgers and trying to get, play keep up with the Vikings here. So, yeah, I agree. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, I think that wraps it up here. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Week here. Good luck, everyone in the Jonda League. Good luck to all of our listeners out there going in.
Thank you for listening this week. Your host signing off here for the Fantasy Football Bros. Until week three. Have a wonderful fantasy week going into week two, everyone.